Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome in to the Garden Trust Hour on your Tuesday morning. Tyler Head, Chris Clark, along with you in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Weren't able to uh, get a player in yesterday. Uh, hopefully, we can get one in next week. Um, and enjoy doing that. It's always good to get these guys can get their thoughts literally coming off of a uh, game weekend, but not able to get that, uh, n- not able to make that happen yesterday. But of course, hopefully, getting some more in uh, before the season before the season ends. Oop, Chris got to get the right mic on. There we go. Oop, hold on. There we go. Try it again. Try it again. There we, we go. Have, we must have a problem here. There we in go. The, uh... All right, you're good now. There's absolutely no, <laughs> there's no, there's something going on in here. Sorry about that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was, um, shoot, there'd be a lot to discuss for sure. Uh, but we still have a lot to discuss, Tyler. Absolutely. We're going to talk some uh, football. We're going to talk some NIL. This is the Garnet Trust Hour. Of course. We're going to talk some recruiting. Um the thing is, and, and I was listening to you last hour, Tyler, I mean, there's a lot of not where you wanted to be, maybe not where you'd hope, not where you thought, um, but what this has created, man, is there there are so many storylines. And we knew going into this year, like, good, bad, in the middle, wherever it ends up, it was going to be an interesting season, right? And I think there have been some things that have played out maybe about how you thought they would. There have been some things that have certainly been different. There have been injuries. There have been personnel issues. There have been talks about coaching. There's been talks about recruiting. NIL has been a hot topic. There's been several games this year yep. that have kind of spurred on that conversation about about recruiting and NIL and kind of what it's going to take to compete in that space. So it's definitely been fascinating, no doubt. Well, and, and on the NIL front, and it's it's become – I know a while back we got so sick of saying the three letters NIL. We tried to come up with a different word for it. We I gave forget, up. I forget what word it was but because it comes up so much, and it's often even used in contexts where it doesn't necessarily even apply, but it's such a big conversation point. Coaches talk about it left and right now. I mean, we had Mark Stoops the other week uh, coming away from the Georgia game, you know, talking about, well, yeah, you know, Georgia buys their talent, and if you want Kentucky to be at that level, you better start ponying up. And, you know, people kind of took that as, oh, he's taking a shot at Georgia. I'm like, no, he's – basically telling his fan base, if you want to compete on the next level, you better start throwing some money, more money at us and not the basketball team so we can compete with the likes of Georgia and stuff like that. So it's something that is populating so many different areas in the world of college sports. And I don't know if we thought two years ago when NIL became a thing, if we'd be talking about it in this way. I certainly don't think we thought that these athletes would be making as much as they are. I mean, you look at the likes of the Kayla Williams, Quinn Ewers, these guys are making you know, we don't know the exact number of figures, but in the millions of dollars from what we've heard and, and what we've um, read and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't know if we I don't know if we saw the numbers going that high when, uh, you know, two years ago. The thing that I've realized about NIL is there's still still and it went live really across the country and, and here in the state of South Carolina. It went live 
in July of 2021. So we are over two years in, and there is still a lot of confusion about this, right? Like I saw some comments yesterday even that were talking about NIL. I don't even remember like what topic was it on. I can't remember if it was on a a forum, a YouTube video, Twitter. Like I I don't even remember where I saw it, to be honest with you. Um, but it basically said, hey, the, these schools are making a lot of money. Is this not a worthwhile investment for them to distribute NIL funds? And it's like, man, we're still there. Like right. we still, there's still not a broad understanding of the fact that schools cannot pay players, right? right. Like it, it cannot, does not work that way. And there's still, you know, there's still so much confusion in this space. And I think that's one confusion point as well, right? Like Caleb Williams and Quinn Ewers, it's very safe to say those guys are in that top upper echelon percentage, whether you call it 1%, 10%, whatever it may be. Among college athletes, Tyler, it's probably somewhere between 1% to 5% of the top earners where they actually can make like a million dollars, right? Right. Now, that's not only college football. Right. There's some basketball guys. Livy Dunn, who's a gymnast, yep. might have made more money than both those guys combined. There's a very, you know, good, there's a very good chance. Um, there's a lot of women's college, you know, college basketball players. Aaliyah Boston did very well here. Um, you look at Angel Reese from LSU. Mm-hmm. She's racked up. There have been a bunch of them. So it's not just football. But I think one of the misunderstandings is, you know, that that's the 1%, right, of college athletes. Take South Carolina. There's 19 sports here. There's 500 and something total athletes. Now, even if you projected that and, and, and said, pick Georgia, right, or, or, or A&M, the money is higher overall in terms of top earners. The money's higher in terms of the total pool. But most student athletes aren't seeing some giant windfall from NIL, right? Right. It is however, an integral part of the recruiting piece now that doesn't matter if we like it, you know. I think it's just, it's captured our attention more because in the past, this wasn't an aspect. that th- This wasn't on the radar, right? A few years ago, you couldn't sign, you couldn't sign an autograph. Spencer Rattler couldn't come in here. And Tyler, you couldn't say, Spencer, I'm going to give you if you said, I'm going to give you $5 for your autograph, he'd be suspended for the Missouri game. The the NCAA would be listening to our yes. show, waiting for us to screw up with that. Yes. So it wasn't on the radar. So in the past, it was all the other things that counted, right? And those are still things that needed funding, right? To You needed facilities, right? If you walk over across williams Bryce Stadium, there's the Ken and Cindy Long Family Football Operations Center, 50-something million dollar facility. Now, some of it was borrowed money, but a lot of it was donor money. Right. You know, they raised money for that. The Stephen Jerry Spurrier Indoor Practice Facility, same thing. These things take money. Resources take money. Yep. And same thing with NIL. It is now a bigger piece. It's a piece, and it's a substantial piece. Um some prospects count it more than others, you know, in the equation. And right now, this may change. This may adjust. It probably will. But right now, the model is brands can get behind NIL and individuals slash donors can get behind NIL. And that's that's just the way it is right now. That's sure. the model. 
Um, obviously, you and Wes have been covering recruiting for a long, long time, and I love how on three does their recruiting where they show NIL value mm-hmm. next to certain student-athletes. Not all of them, um, but when you look at the top guys, I'm mean, just looking at South Carolina's 2024 class right now. You know, Dylan Stewart has an NIL value. Josiah Thompson can't bring all these guys to the top of the class. Dante Reno as well. Having assigned NIL value next to their names on South Carolina's commit board. Now, does that that does not mean that when they get to South Carolina, <laughs> this is the amount of money that they're going to make. That's yeah. the rough estimate on what their value in name, image, and likeness could potentially be uh, but this isn't for everyone and again it's only a handful of guys on south carolina's 24 commit list that have this number next to their names if you had to take a guess and again we're talking about thousands of athletes across and we'll keep it narrowed down to college football um if you had to like take a guess what percentage of college athletes or guys being committed at d1 programs are seriously looking into nil when it comes to their schools because there are two and three star guys that that's probably not a big deal for them like hey i just want to go play college football at x school you know if nil comes great but that's not one of my main objectives but for these five star and four star guys that are at the top of the list like that is something they're going to ask about on their recruiting visits when it comes to looking into schools like that is important to them but again it's not everyone across the board yeah so and i guess let's talk about power five right because group like there's a difference i was talking to somebody at the group of five level the other day. So, like, you think about a Mac school or a Sunbelt school, they're going to have a handful of guys that they're going to try to take care of, some more than others. And a a big reason for that is just keep guys around, right? Yeah. Like seniors where their Pell Grant money's running out or you're trying to get keep them from getting poached from a Power 5 school or a group of five school, right? Um, So let's talk about the Power 5 level. So even in the SEC – there are prospects that, um, and every situation is different, but there are prospects even at the SEC level that aren't baking in NIL super heavily into their decisions. Some. There are some prospects. It's hard to give a blanket answer. There are some prospects where it's the number one factor. Mm-hmm. There are some prospects where it's two, three, five. You know, some of them, they, they'll just kind of, ah, we'll just see when they get there. Even some big-time guys, right? Like, big-time guys, like an Arch Manning at Texas. His last name's Manning. He's that, going to Texas. That holds a lot of weight. He's a quarterback. He's he's yet to play a meaningful snap at Texas, by the way. Right. He's a five-star. Right. Like, he's going to get to Texas and get brand deals. Oh, yeah. And he's going to get collective deals if he wants them or if he requires them, right? So some guys, even the big-time ones, don't worry about it as much. But some do. And so you've got to be equipped if you're a school. You've got to have that in your toolbox. Um, it's also important for retention. Let's say you've got a guy that in high school didn't really care, okay, but then he goes to a school. Let's say he goes to South Carolina. And we all know this happens. Sometimes other schools will start digging around a little bit. Hey, this guy's pretty good. You know, we'd like to have this guy on our roster. And we got all this money. Let, let's find a way to to get to this prospect or somebody around him or his marketing agent or his family and see if we can, you know, make a little offer. And for some of these guys, that becomes tempting because sometimes it's potentially life-changing money. And so for retention purposes, you want to be able to do that. Where NIL really becomes big is the transfer portal. A lot of times you got guys who have one year left, two years left. So it's a different picture than when you're going to somewhere in high school. 
when you're entering the portal and when you're trying to find your last destination, you're looking very heavily at development. Where can I go and play right away, develop, really showcase my skill set, immediate development, springboard you to the next level, and then NIL from what we have seen and observed and heard in the space it does play more of a factor in the transfer portal as well. Well, and, you know, you look at some of the guys that left South Carolina a year ago, and I know a lot of people talked about Jordan Birch, you know, going out to Oregon. Now this, I think people kind of say this tongue-in-cheek, but like, oh, well, Phil Knight just cut him a check, you know, from the Nike fund to <laughs> come out there and play. That's not necessarily the case, but Oregon is one of those places that is going to have a lot of opportunities for NIL, for a guy at the caliber of Jordan Birch's level that was a highly touted recruit to come in there and maybe make more than he would potentially make here at South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it again, tough to give blanket answers because, because in some situations um, your school's collective uh, may have a certain number that they could get to or that they're willing to get to. The player valuation has actually been very tough, Tyler, because for a lot of collectives or even coaches at schools, administrators, you know, you hear numbers whether it's for guys in high school, what they think they might command, whether it's for portal guys or just player retention, and you hear a number, how do you know it's true? Yeah. How do you come up with the number? So I actually give on three a lot of credit of trying to set that roster value, trying to set that brand value. Um, sometimes are those numbers, do they end up being higher? Sure. Sometimes yeah. do they well, end up being a lot lower? Yeah, sure. Uh, unlike a professional contract, these numbers do not have to be made public. So, again, a, right. a lot of it is – kind of guessing and, and, you know, talking to inside sources and kind of figure things out. But, yeah, that's a it's a rough estimate on, on what their value is, not necessarily how much they would actually make. Yes. So if you look at the on three NIL valuation, again, another confusion point. Some people say, well, that's how much this guy's going to make or that's how much he has made. No, this this is a potential valuation of right. a player. Like it's kind of like if I said, hey, I'm hiring you know, a, a sales executive with 10 years of experience in this particular market, this particular company size, that person may command this, right? Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, they bake in different factors, performance, you know, whether it's a high school, if a five-star, for instance, is going to have a higher NIL valuation than a two-star. They just are. Um, how big are their social accounts? How much exposure can they create for brands? Different things like that. And so it's a uh, Again, it's not. It's a very imperfect science, and this has actually been one of the bigger issues in the NIL space is trying to figure out how to value players. We'll continue talking about that. We'll actually revisit what uh, Coach Stoops uh, did say about Kentucky uh, last week. As today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour rolls on, he's Chris Clark. I'm Tyler Head. You're on the game. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Welcome back in. It is the Garden Trust Hour here on the game. Tyler Head, Chris Clark, along with you on this Tuesday morning. Talking a lot about NIL in that first segment. And I brought up something um, that was said a week ago. Uh, Mark Stoops, head coach for Kentucky, on his radio show. This was last Monday. Uh, if you didn't hear it, um, 
you know, obviously they were coming off that loss to Georgia game that Georgia won pretty handily, uh, 51 to, to 13 there, and was, you know, kind of asked the question about the disparity between the talent at a place like Kentucky and a place like Georgia. And here's what Coach Stoops had to say. It is what it is. And, uh, you know, fans have that right. I, I give it to them. It, you know, I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those teams are doing. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I can promise you in Georgia, they, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days. And uh, we could use some help. That's what they look like, you know what I mean, when you have 85 of them. So, so uh, I encourage uh, anybody that's disgruntled to, to pony up some more. And not just singling out a program like Georgia, but I think we can group together a good handful of teams here, Alabama, Ohio State, Texas, like these top programs in college football that have been at or near the top for a while. Um, they're not going to, they don't have issue bringing in NIL and getting people to contribute. And it, it's not necessarily buying players, but when somebody is being recruited by a place like Texas, Georgia, Alabama, whatever, maybe Ohio State, they are probably going to have a lot of options as far as NIL goes. Um, places like Kentucky, other places like that where, you know, maybe your success in, in over the years hasn't been at that same level, not necessarily going to have those same options. And there is a concern for a lot of programs about falling behind as time goes on. Again, we're just over two years in to this NIL thing. So I'd say the playing ground right now is still not level, but pretty close to level. But as time goes on, we could continue to see a greater disparity between those top programs and the one in the middle to the bottom. Yeah, and that is the question, right? And I know Wes and I have discussed this too. I I think, and we can ask Wes when he's actually in here to not defend himself, but actually give his take. Um, You know, there's been a lot of conversation of NIL creating more parity in college sports, right? So Missouri is a great example of this. They have a creative state law that has allowed high school prospects to capitalize on NIL if they go to a state university. Yes. <laughs> Got to be. Is it? It's just helpful. And it is. They have to be committed to the state university. Like, I, Yeah. See, I haven't read. Or is it the after law. they actually like sign early signing day? Then I, I haven't read through the law uh, to get the letter of the law. But let's just say that either way. Okay. Okay. Either way you structured that. You're gonna you're gonna be able to capitalize, right? And it has helped them a lot. Sure, um, they they signed a five star like the day after Missouri did. I'm like sure the that, day after this law came out, it's just coincidence. I'm sure had nothing to do with it, right? So they have been creative with it. And so like let let's bring this locally to South Carolina. If you're South Carolina, is it true that you're not gonna catch Texas from an NIL standpoint? Yes, but you know what else you're not catching Texas in? alumni base, facilities, like dollars to do basically anything. Sure. So a lot of times fans talk about excuses. Well, don't talk Don't talk about your schedule strength. Just go win, right? So you can use it as an excuse to not participate in, well, we're just not going to catch Texas, right? That's always been the case. Texas hasn't been that great at football. Like they're good this year sure. for sure. Sure, sure. This is why we have Texas's back conversations every year and, and joke about it. Like, they should be better than they have been, but they've had access. They've always had access to amazing resources and haven't always been good. So in the NIL space, you have to play in that space to compete. Doesn't mean that you have to be like, here's the Atlanta Braves. I know they just lost. All right, I'll bring that up again. 
Would you take their front office or the Yankees? Uh, right now, I'd take the Braves. Yes. Do they have as much money? No. Have, have they? Do they have as big of a payroll? No. But they have been smart. They've they've been very smart with their contracts, with their players, right? So there are some parallels now when you're talking about money. But what is when the Braves aren't letting people play for free? No, of course not. <laughs> They're not saying we're going to pay you bottom of the barrel payroll. Sure. Right. So you have to you have to do the same. And if you're South Carolina, the concern shouldn't be can we catch Texas or A and M or Tennessee from an NIL standpoint. It should be shoot is Missouri and Kentucky about to pass us an NIL? Mm-hmm. Because let let me tell you right now they are, well, and that, and that should be alarming. And you mentioned the state law with Missouri and high school players. Georgia also looking into enacting a state law that takes that a step further where you don't even have to be committed or going to an in-state institution. If you're a high school athlete, period, you'll be able to benefit from your name, image, and likeness. So you could have a ninth grader starting wide receiver on your varsity team getting sponsored by the local barbecue restaurant. Like, there will be no rule against that. And I believe that brings up to 30 states out of 50 that have some kind of NIL high school related law. So then you start looking at, and I know we're right across the street from the state house, like, hey, you guys going to do something? You guys going to make some kind of law that can yeah. make one of these things happen in South Carolina to where, again, you hope that doesn't, if there is no law in the state of South Carolina, that the schools here, South Carolina, Clemson, whoever it may be, fall further behind these other states because your high school athletes don't have those same opportunities. Let me give you another one. Just got this in on my personal firehouse subs text line. All right. Okay. So South Carolina's, st- and I, I'm, I don't have the confirmation on this personally, but I trust the info. The state GDP in South Carolina is about 23rd or so in the country. It's $300 billion. That is, that is higher than Kentucky, Mississippi, the state of Alabama, Louisiana, and Arkansas. And we have 5.2 million people in the state. So when you say there's not enough money to compete, again, let me let me give let me give the the states sure. Louisiana that has LSU, yep. Arkansas, Kentucky, which has done some big things in NI on the transfer portal, despite what Mark Stoops said. Mm-hmm. They've been pretty good there. Right. Mississippi, which has Ole Miss, yep. also very good with NIL. They have one of the best NIL collectives in the country in DC today, along with the guys from Garnet Trust. Alabama, which has Alabama and Auburn. Alabama's a pretty good football program. Auburn's been good. They have done some really aggressive things in NIL. Again, stop worrying about how Texas has more resources and more money. They've always had more resources and more money. And guess what? They always will. So you can either decide to compete or not. Um, If you want to jump into the fray like some of these other states and fan bases have, right? Now, do we all hope that this model adjusts and it goes to a more, like an equ- more equitable revenue sharing? Sure. Now, the old model didn't work too well for South Carolina. Sure. Right. So, we complain about the old model and complain about the new model. The new model actually gives you more of a chance if yeah. you're South Carolina to actually be more competitive if you if you're smart with it. But you do have to have dollars. That is the baseline. Can't run for political office if you have no money. You won't win. True. You don't have to have the most. You got to have some. Yeah. Got to have a good foundation to have a good foundation. be out there and be present. It's got to be a part of it. And if you're Shane Beamer, you want to recruit to your program and sell your program on values, right? You don't want it to be just dollars. But it's not 
he also knows and has said this, you have to have NIL be a part of that, whether yeah. it's marketing opportunities for your guys, brand deals, but also just on the collective front. And, and that's a good point that you bring up because, yes, you're not selling your program on, hey, we have X amount of dollars if you come here and play. You're going to sell them on other things, but you're going to be asked those questions like, hey, what are my opportunities when I come here? And you want to be able to say, well, here you go, X, Y, and Z. And while it may not be as much as Texas, Ohio, Georgia, whatever it may be, it's still enough. It, it is. And, you know, you, again, you have to be smart with it. We have seen some schools that have lots of NIL funding where it's dried up. They haven't been smart. They've been reckless, going back to the same people. I mean, the same problems that you see in other, you know, fundraising entities in other places, whether it's politics or, you know, for, for char- other charitable causes, you see these issues, and, and it's going to be the same deal here. So how can you be innovative? How can you be smart with your dollars? But, again, you have to have that baseline. And right now the baseline is you need NIL dollars, and there, there are literally two places it can come from, brands and businesses and individual donors, and that can be somebody doing $5 a month. That can be somebody giving $5 million. Like, it can be both of those things, and really you need all that. So like it or not, this is where we are. Right, and, you know, NIL evolves as do our conversations about it because obviously we do the show twice a week and we have athletes coming here. We have our friends from Garnet Trust coming here, and there's always something new to talk about, it seems like, because NIL is always always evolving um we'll take a peek speaking of nil and recruiting we'll take a peek at the 2024 class as now that we've gotten into the season you had a lot of guys on campus visiting this past weekend you know looking back into recruiting as we get closer and closer to early signing day right about two months away talk about that coming up it's the garnet trust hour he's chris clark i'm tyler head you're on the game it's the garnet trust hour on your home of the game cox 107.5 the game other day riding down the road and I saw the dreaded van from the big box store and I knew oh no those poor people what you're talking about sponsored by Love Chevrolet on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia 107.5 the also heard on 100.3, The Game in Myrtle Beach, and 100.5, The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. It is the Garner Trust Hour. Tyler and Chris along with you on this Tuesday morning course coming up at 11. Wes will join us for the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Later on today, you're going to hear from Coach Beamer for his usual weekly Tuesday press conference at 1.30, sponsored by Pete Alewine. Pools and spas as he uh, puts a bow on Florida this past weekend and, of course, looks ahead to Missouri. Kickoff at 3.30 with the Tigers, which you can listen to right here on the game. for game coverage starting with Gamecocks game day at 10.30 on Saturday morning. Uh, we talked about recruiting from the NIL standpoint in those past couple segments, but now just kind of zeroing in on recruiting itself. Uh, of course, the big news this past weekend, Jalewis Solomon, uh, of course, flipping his commitment. We're not not flipping from Auburn to South Carolina, decommitting from Auburn, and then committing to South Carolina a couple days later, which, as you and Wes talked about yesterday, was the expected thing to happen, and just another great piece being added to what was already a really, really good class for Beamer so far in 2024. We call that a de facto flip. Okay. That, that's in the recruiting there, there's, a little, there's, a, there's a buffer time in between, kind of. Yeah, 
if a guy decommits and you kind of know why he did it and what's coming on the other side, it's kind of a, a de facto flip. And uh, Gamecocks obviously had a lot to do with that. So, yeah, I mean, this is a big piece, right? There's been a lot of talk about defensive back. There's going to be more talk about defensive back when it comes to portal recruiting. I think South Carolina is going to be, you know, looking in the portal and keeping some eyes open at corner, at safe, at uh, nickel. I think we'll, we'll be, you know, tracking some guys there, and we'll see in December, right, what kind of what happens there. But almost quietly, Tyler, Gamecocks coaching staff putting together a pretty nice defensive back class. Now, Jalewis Solomon is the latest of those, a four-star guy, according to the On3 Industry Index. Um, he's very near he's, – he's a four-star on a couple services, three-star by a couple others, averages out to a four-star. Again, as we said yesterday, I think this is someone who could really play anywhere you want in the secondary. I really like him as a nickel or maybe as a corner. Could he play safety? Sure. But I really like him at one of those kind of coverage-oriented spots. And He's got physicality, just a football player. And now you look at who he's paired with. So Kelvin Hunter from West Florence. This is a guy with, with size. He can run. He's a really good special teams player in high school. He's more a little bit more of a prototypical safety. He could probably play nickel for you. Then Braden Lee, who's a corner from Maryland, a four-star guy. Maryland, University of Maryland has been making a run at him, but he was on campus this past weekend saying all the right things about his commitment. And you also had David Busey, who a uh, little bit more underrated guy, but a, a, another really good football player out of Savannah, safety, nickel type. And so they put together a four-man class, you know, that is – and Zamarian Lang will start out as a receiver but could play DB as well. They've put together a pretty good class so far, and there there were some misses earlier in the pro, in the process, but it's about the ones that you sign at the end of the day, and Solomon is a nice addition to the to this class. You said something a moment ago uh, about when these guys are on campus saying the right things about their commitment. Look, I I, I don't think any recruit's going to come on campus and and trash the coaching staff, especially one that they're committed to or saying things aren't going well. How do you guys, as recruiting insiders, read between the lines on some of these things? What do you mean? Well, like, and look, and you guys, when you do your write-ups and, and talk about, you know, this guy was on campus and stuff like that, they all tend to say the same things. Great visit, great yeah, meeting with yeah. the coaches, the facility is great, all that kind of stuff. Like, nobody actively comes in and says, it was terrible, I hated it, the coaches were mean to me or yeah. whatever. Like, But you guys have to kind of figure out what they're really saying at the end of the day. How do you, and maybe not, this isn't necessarily the question to ask about guys that are already committed, but guys that are potential commitments down the road. How do you read between the lines when they're going to usually say this about every school they go and visit? You know, there's um, every now and then, actually, you'll, you'll get a little nugget for a guy where they'll say something that is not even really meant to be negative, but it kind of is. And you go, huh, okay. Um, and sometimes you include that in the story. Sometimes you don't, just depending on the context. So there are some little nuggets here and there. I think uh, getting to know the prospects helps. Um, maybe you can get some stuff off the record. Maybe you kind of know their personality and how they talk. Like, there's a prospect I talked to this week, and, you know, he he said good things about the visit but was just very kind of low-key, kind of almost, mono- you know, monotone almost a little bit. Yeah. But I asked to some other guy. I asked some other guys who are in the, you know, recruiting media industry. Said, "Hey, this guy, you know, because he's heavily considering all the schools of the the guys that I talked to that cover those programs." Sure. And like, yeah, just how he is, you know. 
And so um, he'll pick one of those schools probably. Yeah. You know, uh, that's just kind of how he is. So it, it is sometimes hard, um, and I think you kind of have to go off of other information at times, like what's being said behind the scenes and kind of let that be the context and let that color it. Because you're right, m- most of the time guys are going to have good things to say about visits, but there's also a difference. You know, sometimes um, they'll say some kind of boilerplate good things, mm-hmm. and then sometimes you can talk to a guy and tell, okay, he really, really liked that trip. That right. You can kind of get a sense for that. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. You did have a lot of commitments uh, on campus this past weekend. We certainly dive into a lot of those with Wes in the next hour, but, you know, it's easy as a fan base to look at the list of guys that run campus and see that you lost the game the way that you did, like, oh, no, now none of these guys are going to want to come to play here. And it's it's not quite that simple. And, and if anything, sometimes that can be a selling point, especially when you talk about defense where you can point fingers and say, well, I can go out there and take that spot, or I could be starting as a freshman there because they're clearly struggling in that area. Like, it's not as, like, doom and gloom like oh no you got to win every game these commitments are at it's it's not quite that simple yeah i mean dylan stewart when he looks out there on saturday he was at the game he probably gets a pretty good sense as a competitor of, i can go in here and play right you know I, I can make a difference i can go in here and play um that's you know josiah thompson that offensive tackle right like same deal um and a lot of guys are going to fall into that category and so For a lot of guys, it's just about – Wes makes a great point. He always says that recruits don't look at games or situations through the same lens as fans. They're they're not – and that's not – I absolutely love Gamecock fans. They're the reason I have a job. Like, it's not a negative thing. They just look at it differently. Sure. You know, it's it's more of – you know, recruits say business decision kind of overused, but they're just looking at different factors. And so – now, to be clear, if you win a lot of games as a college football program, you got a better shot at, at landing talent, right? Of it's an easier sell if you got a trophy case, if you're playing extremely well. If you go two and ten during a season, it's tough. It's tougher than going ten and two. But it's not just about one individual game. It's not even about I remember there being a lot of conversation about Dabo Swinney and I think maybe year three, they went six and seven and signed a great recruiting class, and everybody was like, how did they do that, right? If you're South Carolina, you got to hope that the same happens here. And right now, you're on your way. you got two five-stars in this class right now yep. with a, a football team that's, you know, two and four. You, That's exactly what you need to do to try to get it turned around. And so it's a good thing that, that prospects kind of look at things differently sometimes. Absolutely. And talking about these prospects, one of the big areas that you talked about was that nickel corner spot, which has been a big concern for the team this year. Uh, Coach Beamer talked about that a little bit in his Sunday night teleconference. We'll hit that and uh, talk about the nickel corner spot coming up as the Garner Trust Hour rolls on here on a Tuesday on the game. talking about sponsored by love chevrolet on your home of the gamecocks in columbia 107.5 the game also heard on 100.3 the game in myrtle beach and 100.5 the game in florence welcome back in it is the garner trust hour tyler and chris along with you on this tuesday morning course coming up at 11 wes will join us for the gamecock central takeover hour Presented by Firehouse Subs. Later on today, going to hear from Coach Beamer for his usual weekly 
Tuesday press conference at 1.30, sponsored by Pete Alewine Pools and Spas as he uh, puts a bow on Florida this past weekend and, of course, looks ahead to Missouri. Kickoff at 3.30 with the Tigers, which you can listen to right here on the game. Free game coverage starting with Gamecocks game day at 10.30 on Saturday morning. Uh, we talked about recruiting from the NIL standpoint in those past couple segments, but now just kind of zeroing in on recruiting itself. Uh, of course, the big news this past weekend, Jalewis Solomon, uh, of course, flipping his commitment. We're not not flipping from Auburn to South Carolina, decommitting from Auburn, and then committing to South Carolina a couple days later, which, as you and Wes talked about yesterday, was the expected thing to happen, and just another great piece being added to what was already a really, really good class for Beamer so far in 2024. We call that a de facto flip. Okay. That, that's in the recruiting there's little, there's lexicon. A, there's a buffer time in between, kind of. Yeah. If a guy decommits and you kind of know why he did it and what's coming on the other side, it's kind of a, a de facto flip. And uh, Gamecocks obviously had a lot to do with that. So, yeah, I mean, this is a big piece, right? There's been a lot of talk about defensive back. There's going to be more talk about defensive back when it comes to portal recruiting. I think South Carolina is going to be you know, looking in the portal and keeping some eyes open at corner, at safe, at a nickel. I think we'll, we'll be, you know, tracking some guys there and we'll see in December, right? What kind of what happens there. But almost quietly, Tyler, Gamecocks coaching staff putting together a pretty nice defensive back class. Now, Jalewis Solomon is the latest of those, a four star guy, according to the On Three Industry Index. Um, he's very near. He's, he's a four-star on a couple services, three-star by a couple others, averages out to a four-star. Again, as we said yesterday, I think this is someone who could really play anywhere you want in the secondary. I really like him as a nickel or maybe as a corner. Could he play safety? Sure. But I really like him at one of those kind of coverage-oriented spots. He's got physicality, just a football player. And now you look at who he's paired with. So Kelvin Hunter from West Florence. This is a guy with with size he can run he's a really good special teams player in high school he's more a little bit more of a prototypical safety could probably play nickel for you then Braden Lee who's a corner from Maryland a four-star guy Maryland University of Maryland has been making a run at him but he was on campus this past weekend saying all the right things about his commitment and you also had David Busey who a little bit more underrated guy but another really good football player out of Savannah safety nickel type and so they put together a four-man class you know that is and Zamarian Lang will start out as a receiver but could play DB as well they've put together a pretty good class so far and there there were some misses earlier in the pro in the process but it's about the ones that you sign at the end of the day and Solomon is a nice addition to the to this class you said something a moment ago uh, about when these guys are on campus saying the right things about their commitment look I I, I don't think any recruit's going to come on campus and, and trash the coaching staff, especially one that they're committed to or saying things aren't going well. How do you guys as recruiting insiders read between the lines on some of these things? What do you mean? Well, like, and look, and you guys, when you do your write-ups and, and talk about, you know, this guy was on campus and stuff like that, they all tend to say the same things. Great visit, great meeting with <laughs> yeah. coaches, the facility is great, all that kind of stuff. Like nobody actively comes in and says, it was terrible. I hated it. The coaches were mean to me or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Like, but you guys have to kind of figure out what they're really saying at the end of the day. How do you, and maybe not, this isn't necessarily the question to ask about guys that are already committed, but guys that are yeah. potential commitments down the road. How do you read between the lines when they're going to usually say this about every school they go and visit? You know, there's, um, 
every now and then, actually, you'll, you'll get a little nugget for a guy where they'll say something that is not even really meant to be negative, but it, it kind of is, and you go, huh, okay. Um, and sometimes you include that in the story. Sometimes you don't, just depending on the context. So there are some little nuggets here and there. I think uh, getting to know the prospects helps. Um, maybe you can get some stuff off the record. Maybe you kind of know their personality and how they talk. Like, there's a prospect I talked to this week, and, you know, he he said good things about the visit but was just very kind of low-key, kind of almost, mono, you know, monotone almost a little bit. Yeah. But I asked to some other guy. I asked some other guys who are in the, you know, recruiting media industry. Said, "Hey, this guy, you know, because he's heavily considering all the schools of the the guys that I talked to that cover those programs." Sure. And like, yeah, just how he is, you know. And so um, he'll pick one of those schools, probably. Yeah. You know, uh, that's just kind of how he is. So it it is sometimes hard, um, and I think you kind of have to go off of other information at times like what's being said behind the scenes and kind of let that be the context and let that color it because you're right most of the time guys are going to have good things to say about visits but there's also a difference you know sometimes um they'll say some kind of boilerplate good things Mm -hmm. and then sometimes you can talk to a guy and tell okay he really really liked that trip that you can kind of get a sense for that and we talked about this a little bit yesterday you did have a lot of commitments uh, on campus this past weekend we certainly dive into a lot of those with Wes in the next hour but you know it's easy as a fan base to look at the list of guys that run campus and see that you lost the game in the way that you did and like oh no now none of these guys are going to want to come to play here and it's it's not quite that simple and, and if anything sometimes that can be a selling point especially when you talk about defense where you can point fingers and say well I can go out there and take that spot or I could be starting as a freshman there because they're clearly struggling in that area like it's not as like doom and gloom like oh no you got to win every game these commitments are at it's, it's not quite that simple yeah i mean dylan stewart when he looks out there on saturday he was at the game he probably gets a pretty good sense as a competitor of, i can go in here and play right you know uh, i can make a difference i can go in here and play um that's you know josiah thompson at, at offensive tackle right like same deal um and a lot of guys are going to fall into that category and so for a lot of guys, it's just about – Wes makes a great point. He always says that recruits don't look at games or situations through the same lens as fans. They're they're not – and that's not – I absolutely love Gamecock fans. They're the reason I have a job. Right. Like, it's not a negative thing. They just look at it differently. Sure. You know, it's, it's more of um, – you know, recruits say business decision, kind of overused, but they're just looking at different factors. And so – now, to be clear, if you win a lot of games as a college football program, you got a better shot at, at landing talent, right? Of course. It's an easier sell if you got a trophy case, if you're playing extremely well. If you go 2-10 and 10 during a season, it's tough. It's tougher than going 10-2. and two, But it's not just about one individual game. It's not even about – I remember there being a lot of conversation about Dabo Swinney in, I think, maybe year three. They went 6-7. and seven and signed a great recruiting class. And everybody was like, how did they do that, right? If you're South Carolina, you got to hope that the same happens here. And right now, you're on your way. you got two five-stars in this class right now yep. with a, a football team that's, you know, two and four. You 
that's exactly what you need to do to try to get it turned around. And so it's a good thing that, that prospects kind of look at things differently sometimes. Absolutely. And talking about these prospects, one of the big areas that you talked about was that nickel corner spot, which has been a big concern for the team this year. Uh, Coach Beamer talked about that a little bit in his Sunday night teleconference. We'll hit that and uh, talk about the nickel corner spot coming up as the Garner Trust Hour rolls on here on a Tuesday on the game. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.